welcome back to the Sighting Lap, where we give you an insight into the world of motorcycle racing. We are back for round 11 of the MotoGP Championship. Championship. Why did that word not come to mind? We had David Alonso win his second Moto3 race. What are your guys' thoughts on that? He just had a fantastic performance. I mean, he's just good and you can really see him getting comfortable in the seat, getting comfortable battling on the grid. It wasn't an easy race to win. There was such a big leading group the entire time. I mean, I think five or six laps in, there were still, the leading group still consisted of 26 riders. There were only 29 riders on the grid, so just crazy. Uh, Yeah, just a fantastic performance again from him. And I think he's one to watch for, especially for next year's championship. Yeah, I think at the start of the season, he was a bit of a dark horse. Like, no one really knew what to expect from him. And I think in Moto3, a lot of um, the riders get compared to Pedro. But, like, it's kind of hard to... Yeah, I feel like he's really surprised me from the start of the year. Speaking of Dennis Onchu, he then got a six-second penalty. So, two double long laps um, for irresponsible riding I think is it causing a crash or is causing uh, a crash F1 penalties? I feel like causing a collision is something but I don't know which sport <laughs> yeah but yeah he got a six second penalty and because as Annick has already said the um there was I don't know how many riders there was at the end maybe like 15 and he got pushed back to 12th because everyone was riding so close together so yeah, not great for his championship. Um, but that led to something great happening, which is Rueda on the podium. His first Moto3 podium in his rookie season. And funnily enough, this podium was so young that only Homer Masia was allowed to spray champagne. I can't believe that. Like, I remember when Pedro me. was on the podium and he's just he was just stood there like, yeah, I can't spray champagne, but yeah, two of them. Um, but imagine being Tommy Masiga standing there alone, like, yay! <laughs> Time to celebrate P2. Yeah. Yes. So some other important things. Daniel Hogado crashed out. Um it was a very unlike him thing. Like he's he doesn't really crash normally, and it wasn't even as if like anybody had taken him out or something. Another rider, something happened with another rider, but it was just kind of like all by himself, really. A bit of a strange one for him. Yeah, it was definitely weird to see. I didn't expect it, especially on the last lap. He's usually very meticulous in his moves when it comes to the end of a race. So not great. He was kind of lucky that he has a lot of wiggling room in the championship with the lead he's already had over the last couple of races. But... Yeah, hopefully that's not something that we will see more often because he's done a good job coming back um, 
I think he he didn't qualify well. He only qualified in 11th, which doesn't sound too bad, but it's also not great when you have to start a race from the middle of the pack. And he managed to, I think at some point he did go a bit backwards, but then he managed to fight his way back to the front. And yeah, it could have been, it would have probably been a podium, but it could have very well been a win for him. Yes, it just kind of mixes things up a bit, obviously, with us having, I think it's like, is it 10 races in like 13 weeks now or nine races? It doesn't really look too good for him, but I guess we'll just have to wait till next weekend and see if he can bounce back from this. Um, It was just very eventful last lap. Everything happened within 30 seconds of Holgado crashing, then you have Anshu barging his way through Munoz. It was just, yeah, a very crazy finish. Yeah. Also, I was look- looking at the last corner, just trying to figure out who was going to come out, like take the corner and come out first. And then all of a sudden, Anshu just hits another rider. I'm, I'm just sat there like, wait, what? Yes, I mean, when is Moto3 not crazy though? Let's be real. Um, some other things to mention obviously Colin Vea didn't start the race um because he had a left foot fracture I think did he get that in qualifying I think so yeah so obviously a bit of a shame seeing his success from the last round um Fanati had to start from the back of the grid and do a long lap for irresponsible riding um and yeah, I mean... Oh, and Yvonne Otola got his first pole. Oh, yeah. Yes, he got his first pole, but then... um, Unfortunately, he just didn't seem to be able to... Re- he didn't really have the race pace to stay with um, Messia and Alonso, really. He just... Yeah, I was really hoping for another win from him. And he did hit the front of the group at a certain point, but then he just made a silly mistake and then fell back. And yeah, there was just really no margin for error this race. If you just went right a little, you immediately got the consequences. We've seen it also with Joel Kalsu, who was who started from the front row, who had a very good race until he just basically didn't he really didn't make a corner he ran very wide and at that point he was just able to barely fight for points and ultimately yeah didn't finish in the points yeah it was a bit of a shame from him I was really hoping that we'd see him on the podium but just wasn't meant to be this round and I mean obviously tyres seem to play a big part in all three races Um, I mean we saw on in MotoGP, they did a close-up of both Vinales and Mavericks tyres, and they were completely wrecked. I mean, Mavericks was a lot worse than Alicia's, but you can imagine on a Moto3 bike that it's going to be just as bad. Or worse. Yeah. Oh, Seeing it's... as how much they're pushing every yeah. single corner. I think some other heartbreak, which I didn't even remember to put onto our notes... But I just remembered when I seen the results was for Scott Ogden, who 
maybe would have been able to walk away with a single point, but due to exceeding track limits on the last lap, he was demoted one position, ultimately finishing outside points. I just feel he gets very unlucky lately. So just to let everyone know, so obviously we had Alonso finish first, Mazia second, and then Moreda third, and Sazaki in fourth. He got I really mean, lucky. He, yeah. he he's the one who really profited from the last lap crashes and the last lap craziness, because he would have slipped back to P like to, yeah to third in a championship, but with. Uh, Anshu being demoted from the podium and Holgado crashing, he actually managed to slightly catch up to Holgado. Just crazy because he didn't, he really didn't do much, which is also very unusual for him, especially when it's big groups. Usually he's a bit more aggressive with his overtakes. He tries harder than, um, yeah, than today. But I feel like that was very much like right time right place because if he would have been in that like front very front front group like where um untrue was like he could have been the one that got crashed out and then untrue got the penalty and everything like that and he was like just like far enough for yeah. not to be involved in anything and just like look up look back and see all of that yeah i do think that maybe um Obviously, he didn't have the greatest Saturday qualifying. He qualified down in 13th, so maybe that had something to do with that. I mean, he had to gain a lot of positions. And then, obviously, because the the group was so big, it's quite hard to try and move up when the person behind you is also trying to overtake you. But, yeah. Um, anyone else that we want to mention? I think no. we're good. We're just trying to get through all of this yeah. as fast as possible because there was so much going on the entire weekend. And if we went into detail of every single race, every single rider, we would sit here for the next six hours. And we could literally talk for six hours uh, yeah. because there was so much stuff that went on. <laughs> We've been talking the entire day about all three races. <laughs> Okay, so moving on to Moto2 then. Things I want to mention before we get into the racing. So we obviously had Joe Roberts announce he was moving back to American Racing for 2024. And we had Aaron Cannett announce that he was moving to Fantip for 2024, which I think a lot of people knew was coming for Cannett. And um, Joe Roberts moving back to American Racing, uh, it was kind of like, the best option for him to stay in Moto2 because obviously he's not had the best time at Itel Trans. Hopefully we can see him up on the podium soon. So getting back into the racing, well, we have Moto3. I thought Moto2 might be a little bit more calm, but they were like, no. So we had Jake Dixon winning again. And I bet Harvey was in the grandstand, like, screaming. He's seen both Jake's wins now. And, like, I mean, maybe it's he should go to, to all be. the races. Yeah. <laughs> maybe he should just go to all the races and, like, be his little 
like what's it called fan club good luck or good luck <laughs> yeah um and then we had Aaron Cannett in second again I know Alex gonna be really disappointed like I think they said it was his 12th second place wasn't it yes that's just I won't, I won't go, go on about the subject too much <laughs> it's um, a very touchy subject yeah. and then finishing up the podium we had Albert Arenas and I mean he's taken a while to get his first Moto2 podium I mean he was with Aspar and now he's with KTM obviously but I think a lot of people thought it would come around a lot quicker seeing as he was Moto3 champion but I guess I mean looking at the perspective from Guevara Guevara is with Aspar and he is the current Moto3 world champion and he's not doing too great in Moto2 yeah I just I want to see how Arenas continues after this because I feel like this could very easily be a good confidence boost because I can imagine how much people are like giving him a hard time about yeah he's the Moto3 champion and we talked before this recording like you have Arbolino who stepped up the same time as he did and obviously Tony's fighting for the championship and then you Arenas has really had a hard time so I just and he's with a good team as well so I just really hope he can like pick it up from here and Obviously, we haven't mentioned Arbolino or Acosta. And that is because Acosta finished in sixth, which isn't bad. But when the championship is still quite wide open, I mean, he would have wanted to be on the podium. And then we had Arbolino, who ha- who just had a shocking weekend, to be honest, down in 17th. I don't understand what was going on with Tony this weekend because he didn't even make it out of Q1, which I find is very, very weird. He's not known to be the best qualifier, but at the same time, this was very shocking in my eyes. I'm looking at the results. Oh, yeah, he started uh, 20th. So that it really was a weekend to forget for him. And yeah, Pedro, I still believe that he just used too much tire. The same as Alan Canet, they've both done, they both had an incredible battle on the track uh, for the lead. And tire conservation was a big topic the entire weekend for all classes so having two riders go at it this hard for so long in the middle of the race was very very punishing on their tires so yeah I mean Kanat didn't have another option than to go at it full force when Pedro is leading because if you just try to sit back and Preserve your tires, maybe try to overtake on the last lap. That's not going to work with Pedro Costa in the lead. So, yeah, the only person that really, really profited from that was Jake Dixon because he was just able to sit back in third, watch them to go at it, and then 
when it when both of them were obviously just sliding around, losing grip, it was his time to attack, and it perfectly worked out for him. Yeah. No, I, I'm just curious because I feel like there might. I mean, they never showed it, so I doubt there was. But I thought that it was like a mistake that Pedro made that made him drop because he went from like what was it like second or third, and then he almost immediately dropped down to like fifth or sixth. He's had a lot of moments where he ran very wide or he had big twitches on the bike. So yeah. I think and, it was um, one of these. He also fell a couple of times. Like, for example, when I think Connect overtook him at one point, like you could see that he like didn't expect it and kind of like got spooked out. He went like, and then his like leg dropped from the bike. And it was really just like them riding on ice, especially. In the on the last lap, on the last in the last corner, Kanat, he almost lost it. He almost threw away his podium chances as well when he tried to take the flag to Jake for the win. Yeah, I mean Jake had just, as you said, sat behind them and kind of watched it all play out. I mean he had his own battles with Gonzalez, but I don't think they were anywhere near as harsh as what. Acosta and Canet were battling yeah. for first and second but yeah I mean I guess you can't really ex- like you can't really just sit back and watch Acosta because we have seen in the past if he gets to the front he could just go away and like win You'll by never see him. seconds <laughs> but I mean obviously this track made the tyres really work and they just degraded really quickly yeah Another thing that I forgot to mention when we were talking about Arenas is, I don't know if you noticed, but as soon as he came to Park Ferme, he took his boot off. Like, just one. So I don't know if he hurt his foot or something. Because um, I I think Pedro did it earlier this season as well. So I don't know if it's... I don't know what happened. But they were just talking on my stream that he might have hurt his foot on some point. He lost quite a lot of performance or pace in the last couple of laps. I don't know if it was because of um, tire degradation or if he got hurt. I don't know how he would have gotten hurt because he wasn't really involved in anything. Uh, yeah, in a big incident that would warrant an injury. But you never know. Maybe he just done something he he just rolled his ankle on the bike I don't know if that's possible but some two other people I was really impressed with was obviously uh, Sergio Garcia who was so close to his first Moto2 podium and Manuel Gonzalez who they finished fourth and fifth I mean I obviously I kind of expected it because their pace has been really good but I think they kind of benefited from obviously Pedro having problems with the tyre and Tony obviously being in quite low down. But yeah, I was really impressed with their speed. Yeah, I think Garcia, it's it's just, especially because we've had this comparison between uh, Guevara and Garcia last last year in the Moto3 Championship, where both of them were fighting for the title uh, in the same team you always kind of try to compare both of them and it's just 
completely opposite fortunes because Garcia, I, I, I really have to commend him for this. He found his footing in this class so so fast. He was doing in he yeah he was giving incredible performances from the get go, and he doesn't have an easy teammate. Aaron Canet, even though it's not been the best season for him, he's still an outstanding rider. And to be able to keep up with this person is just fantastic. I think he's... I didn't expect him to be the most exciting rookie of the year in Moda 2, but I feel like he is. Oh, also with Garcia, I think... Something that we can mention now is, of course, there was a lot of talk about Sita Pons uh, leaving the championship, but we didn't know who would take over the team. And it is, I think it's not confirmed that it's going to be empty helmets who will now run a Moto2 team. And it is most likely that Garcia will stay with the team. So he will just... Yeah, be taken over by yeah <laughs> by yeah, the MT Helmets yeah. team, and apparently, which I think is something that I didn't have on my bingo card, and that's Ayagura is probably his teammate next season. Yeah, I have heard rumors that Agura wanted to get out of his um contract with the team he's with, obviously because. Um, on the team Asia they're kind of trying to make him step up to MotoGP but apparently he doesn't want to do that and I mean why would you because the Honda isn't great at the minute and if he can get another Moto2 ride and then go on to win the championship I think that would maybe run, like make maybe he could go to a different team in MotoGP like give him more options in the future I open a lot more doors. yeah yeah oh it's still very weird to me because the Honda Team Asia uh, team well yeah they would offer him a MotoGP seat on the silver platter like of course um if he leaves the team it would open up more doors but at the same time it's very difficult because most teams in MotoGP already have certain riders that they look out for uh, especially in Moto2 and then of course different other classes but uh, yeah very interesting I get it in a way because like Carly said the Honda isn't great right now and then if you go on a bike that isn't great, you don't get the same chance to move internally, like in MotoGP to another team, rather than, for example, if you win the Moto2 championship and you get a ride, even if it's not the best team per se, I feel like you have more room to move inside the class because people will always think like, oh, you're the champion. Like there there must be something in you, even though there is a lot of great quality qualities in riders who don't win the championship but I think you get what I mean it's just... yeah I feel I feel like it's kind of like this situation where Joe Roberts was rumored to go to Aprilia when they weren't that great and I think he obviously declined it if it was a thing 
but I mean now looking back at it yeah if you kind of should have taken it because yeah. now they've got so good but then there's the problem like would it have developed the same way if he was in the team and I mean the list goes on I think that's also a bit of a different situation because in Aprilia three years ago there were only two seats so you only had two people who were able to develop the bike at Honda you have four very high profile riders so if you take if Taka would leave the class and Gura would have stepped up, you would still have Zarko, Mir, and Mark who would be able to um, develop the bike and bring Honda back to its old glory. Because in my mind, even though it's been a very difficult two years for them, or even three years, they still have so much history and potential and financial backing behind them that I have no doubt in my mind that they will make their way up again and that they will get to find the right setup or parts of the bike to just make it work again for their riders. So, um, uh, my commentators mentioned something about um, there being, I don't know if it was, I think it was from, like it came from Dorna about giving some form of concessions and apparently Ducati gave the green light now yeah I know they were they said on my stream that obviously Honda and Yamaha are doing that great so they were going to like change the concession rules because obviously when Aprilia had concessions it was like because they hadn't had a podium and obviously then they got their podium and then they got the concessions taken away um so obviously because honda and yamaha both have podiums and wins in MotoGP, they can't get concessions under those rules so i think at so at a certain point if you didn't get a podium uh in a certain time frame you will be allowed to have concessions again but it's a very very big time frame yeah yeah and i think ktm said no still (laughs) <laughs> sorry that's uh, just so that's funny to me. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is i was talking about this with my friend and it's like great for ducati to say like yeah go for it sure because they're they're gonna win the constructors championship anyway they have eight bikes on the grid it doesn't matter if honda and yamaha are a bit better than what they are now they still have yeah, like, unless, four or two bikes. Unless they're coming like first and second every race. Yeah. It's like, and the battle for the championship, it's like Ducati. So what are you yeah. going to do? Okay, we've okay. gone so off topic already. Yeah. Let's I move think back we... to Radio 2. Yeah. Oh, I have one question on you. What are your guys' opinion on Shondell and Kelly officially splitting from the American racing team because there were loads of rumors before when Kelly was apparently fit to ride. The team said no, they got Ramirez. Ramirez is going to stay until the rest of the season with them, which I find is weird because he did have a seat at forward. Of course, forward wasn't doing well and he's doing 
pretty okay in the American racing team, but he will not have that seat next year. So where is he going next year as well? Yeah, I do find it um, a bit unfair, but then obviously I don't think I can say much on the thing because, I mean, it happened last year with Fanati only a couple rounds in and Lopez then took his seat and then Fanati had nowhere to go. But yeah, I think it's, I definitely get where people are coming from because it is unfair from the perspective last year of Fanati. I mean, he had no ride for the rest of the season and Sean Dillon Kelly now has no ride either. And they're kind of just like, left there I mean maybe in Fanati's case it was a bit different maybe he had something in his contract apparently that said if he didn't perform xyz that he might get kicked out but yeah I just find it a bit strange but hopefully we'll see Sean back sometime I think but... for Sean it's even I'm sorry I'm feeling I think for Sean it's even more difficult to get another seat in Moto2 or in a European class in general because he come, he is an American, he comes from Moto America, so he didn't grow up with and raised in Europe a lot, so he doesn't have the connections, the same connections that, for example, Fanati had to get back into Moto3, teams that know you, people that you know, and yeah, Hopefully he does get another ride, but I think it's. I wasn't a fan when Fanati got just got sacked last season, so I'm also not a fan this time around. I just think that the entire statement was a bit strange because usually if you split within mid season, you there is a, another reason than just someone getting injured especially since Chandel and Kelly didn't have a big big injury he had arm prop right he did have an arm prop surgery which we know heals still heals quite fast of course every single person's uh, healing process is a bit different but to just yeah, get rid of him for the rest of the season is quite drastic. Extreme. Yeah. Okay, so a few other things I want to mention before we move on um, is that Darren Binder was replaced in this race by Senna Agis, um because he, last round, he obviously had that crash with Sam Lowe's. I mean, Sam can do anything, really. Um he has fractured his vertebrae so Senna was riding in his place and Harder was out and he was replaced by Rato and yeah I mean Jake won from pole so I'm happy <laughs> and it can make me not so much but I mean, I'm happy yeah. for Jake also his celebration with Little summer was. I mean, he had like five celebrations. Like <laughs> he did the push-ups, and then he kept, and then he rode around, and then I can't remember what else he did. Oh, he did the Superman on the bike. Oh and yeah, he just <laughs> flanked on the bike, and um, of course, something a bit more serious that we probably want to mention because, um, MotoGP didn't really mention it during the weekend. Jake also paid tribute to the 
late Paul Bird. Is that how you say it in English? When yeah. someone passed away. Uh, which I thought was a very nice touch. Yeah, obviously he was like the team boss for Ducati in um, BSB and he's been involved in motorbike racing for a long time. I mean, he's done wild cards in World Superbike with riders and been involved in the MotoGP side. And yeah, it's just a great shame to lose him. And it was a nice touch from Jake to um, give this to him. So I think that's everything. Moving on to MotoGP, yeah. which yeah. isn't going to be less chaotic. Yeah, so we'll start with the sprint race first. So, um, yeah, obviously no one knew if the sprint race was going to be wet, dry, whatever, because, um, yeah, luckily it stayed fully wet. I think on the sighting lap or when they were doing their warm-up lap, they had, like, the rain flag. So where's the white and red one? And everyone was like, oh, flag to flag in the sprint race. And then, like, it came to nothing. Yeah. But yeah, um, obviously we had the news, I think it was before the weekend or on Friday or something, that Bezeki was going to be staying with VR46. And I thought this would start a chain reaction. Like we know the Grassini seat, <laughs> we know the Pramac seat, but no, it was just Bezeki going to VR4 or staying with VR46. Uh, we still don't know who's getting the Grassini seat. Still I don't know we'll who's getting the Pramac seat. For that. Uh, yeah. For both of those, actually, for qu- quite a while. I just want to know. <laughs> but, tell us. We won't yeah. tell anyone. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's a good match. I mean, Annex said this before the meeting started. Why change something when it's working so well? And hopefully, ne- well, obviously, he's in the title battle this year, but hopefully next year it's even. he's even stronger. Um, yeah, obviously, we had Pekka on pole. Okay, Pekka was on pole, but Aleish set the fastest lap in free practice or something. I mean, Aleish is always very strong on that circuit, he knows it very well. It's probably the circuit that he knows the best since he grew up quite close to it, and yeah, I think. We all were expecting a lot from him, especially since he did need to get his redemption after what happened last year. It's been mentioned, I think, a million times in, yeah. when I, the entire weekend. But I mean, people could not mention it with his special helmet. That literally said one more <laughs> lap on it. I think it, it's nice to see that he took it on the chin because I think that must have stung a long time. Yeah. yeah. I mean... It, I can remember last year, all the commentators were like, oh, he's got a problem. And then he started waving to the crowd and they were like, he's, he's like, forgotten that there's one more lap. And then he looks around and he's like, like, wait, they're still racing. And then it like all clicks in his head. And yeah, but Spargo won his first sprint race. And I mean, it was just, I have no words. I still have no words. He was um, so dominant. I don't know how yeah. he's done it because it's difficult, especially in a sprint race, to manage to get a big gap between first and second. 
and especially when the person in second is Paco. But yeah. he managed and to. They've said oh, previously yeah. that the Aprilia isn't as strong in some areas as the Ducati, and I mean in this race when when you were like on the onboard cameras, the Aprilia didn't seem to lose out much on the Ducati on the straights. So, I mean, yeah, and they're. The top speeds that they had were really, really strong as well. Yeah. Just think Aprilia always works pretty well around this circuit, which is nice to see, especially for Lege, of course. But he wasn't the only Aprilia who has done really, really well this weekend. I mean, it's nice that we, for once, have seen Maverick having good starts. That's something new. But immediately you can see once he has a good start and doesn't fall back into the middle of the pack, he is so good. This weekend, everything clicked for Maverick and he was just able to show what his actual talent is. And he's often been outshined by other riders by their by his teammates and even though Olesh won I still think he had a fantastic performance yeah I think it still doesn't really like make sense in my brain like how a couple of years ago I'm pretty well, like nowhere and now they're at the front of the grid getting wins podiums like consistently just still boggles my mind really I mean, it's not even just the factory Aprilias, but even Miguel is doing yeah. so, so well on the satellite bike. Yeah. Um. So Espargaro obviously won the sprint, and then we had Pekka in second, and Maverick Vinales in third. And Did you see Aleix's um, celebration when he uh, his son ran up the stage? It was so cute. His yeah. children are always involved in the celebrations and I just love to see it. He's such a big family man and you can really tell that he is bringing this energy to the team as well. Yeah. Um. Also, Ball crashed. I don't remember which lap it was, which was very unfortunate. He just got back and I feel like he can't catch a break. Um, yeah. Anything. I mean, he does have a contract for next year, but there were some rumors that he had been asked to be a um, test rider, but he turned it down, as I feel like almost anyone would. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of rumors going around because apparently Pedro Costa has been promised a seat by KTM in MotoGP, and obviously Jack and Brad have already been signed haven't they for factory KTM and then you've obviously got Paul and Augusto in um the gas gas team so I think where is Pedro counting, gonna go yeah I think they were counting on Augusto not doing well and then they could with good conscience just boot him out well obviously I think they were counting on getting a second satellite team I think yeah, that was there. I don't really know why they aren't getting one. Maybe I think we Dora, don't know why. refused but... or something like that. Very yeah, hard to refuse another satellite need... team when Ducati has like millions. 
yeah but I mean I'm sure it will come out soon who's going where and what's happening but we're just impatient clearly (laughs) um obviously we had Binder finish fourth um Jorge Martin finished fifth Oliveira finished sixth in the sprint which was really good for him um I think the VR46 team just didn't have a great weekend overall, really. Bezeki finished eighth in the sprint, and the Marini finished 12th, which isn't too bad. But obviously, in the sprint, you only get points for ninth and up. And Bezeki is meant to, is like one of the title contenders this year. And he just seemed to be a bit lost this weekend. Yeah. It even started with Marini not making it out of Q1 and qualifying 20th? No, 18th. I think it was 18th. Yeah, which already it's difficult, especially in MotoGP, where it's harder to overtake than in the lower classes to make up enough positions when you are starting for from 18th and then when you yeah in sprint races where you only get points when you at least finish ninth i think it was a bit unrealistic in a sense well he's still on a Ducati. unrealistic might not be the word for it but it would have been very very difficult for him especially since not many people retired Does anyone else have anything to say about the sprint? I can't even remember what happened. Oh, um, Mark actually didn't do too bad at the beginning, but then he just couldn't go to pace. Uh, but at least he stayed on the bike, which is always nice to see. It is actually the first weekend of the season where all Honda bikes finished the races. Just I mean, I think that deserves a round of applause. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I honestly didn't expect it. It is a happy surprise. But yeah, hopefully it's going upwards for them as well. Yes. Okay, so moving on to the MotoGP main race. Um, so the race got red flagged. Um, after about I think it was two corners so we had I mean everyone got a pretty good start Enea came from really far back and was going up the inside of a lot of people and I mean we've seen it previously that normally that doesn't really work and we have seen crashes like this previously and he just couldn't get the bike stopped into the corner. And um, he Zarko was to the left of him and he wiped out Zarko. And then obviously there were riders to the left of Zarko and they also got taken out. Um, so it was um, Enea, Zarko, both Grassini, so Alex and Fabio and Zeki and... Unfortunately, Bezeki and oh no, Bastianini has been injured from the crash. Um, I think he's like 
it's done something to his wrist and his um, I think, ankle, I think it was. Yeah, I think it might have been his finger and his ankle that are both fractured. Yeah, from yeah. The I saw on the app. And, and he's got, I don't remember yeah. which side it was, but it, it's from the same side as well. It looked okay. really bad at the beginning. It didn't look it. It looked a bit like last year Taka playing bowling on the first lap on the circuit, but uh, we've seen loads of replays of this crash. So and when you really watch it from different angles and in slow motion, you could have seen that Inea was hit by a rider falling over him and then the bike following. So he got really lucky in an unlucky situation that he only walked away with these two injuries, I'd say. Yeah. I mean it's unlucky for him seeing he's he's only like just come back from yeah. another injury and now he's probably gonna be off for a couple more rounds because I think he's got to have surgery on that. So I guess we don't know how long he's gonna be out. Um but we wish him all the best. And then on a couple more corners after that, um, Peko had a massive... Quickly. Okay, sorry. Um, That's fine. Uh, I think, because I watched it right before we started recording, I think Ducati said that he's going to have, like, Anna is going to have surgery on Monday in Italy. And then on Tuesday and Wednesday, they're going to um, evaluate if he can yeah. race at Misano. But I think they worded it in a way that it's a very very small possibility that he'll be back for I himself. don't I don't think he's gonna be back I don't think it, if he's gonna be back I don't think it's the best decision because yeah, I, I mean like should, if he's I having mean, surgery on Monday that's like Tuesday Wednesday Thursday and Friday you're back on the bike I think yeah. is it um the finger and the foot are on the same side that got yeah. injured yeah no i don't think he's gonna be back because you might be able to ride with one of these injuries you really really have to overcompensate with the rest of your body to get the strength to make the bike work but i don't think if you have injuries on both like both injuries on the same side i don't think that you will be able to take corners correctly yeah yeah um so obviously then um the race continued for two more corners i think it was and then peko was leading at this point and he had a massive high side the rear just like stepped out and he was flung over the handlebars and um obviously all the riders were behind him so he yeah he was very lucky but um I think it was Brad Binder. Someone ran over his leg or boot. We're not too sure, but um, he's been um, like he has not very many injuries. I think it's probably just more bruised than anything. Um, he went to the hospital and said like they did a CT scan. I think just to make sure like that there weren't any fractures and. Um, yeah, I don't think there are. Apparently, he does have contusions, but yeah. no um, 
yeah, no fractures. However, they are going to do further testing with a CAT scan and um, see what how... the GP app says that he was taking to the general hospital for further examination, uh, which revealed Bagnaya has su- sustained multiple concussions. No, what is it? Yeah, too hard of a word for me. Um, but no fractures. Also, no concussion. Just to make yeah. sure to get that out. Yeah, uh, Sorry, apparently, just no concussions or anything. Yeah, I yeah. just have a relating to that. I guess that would just that'll do. Um, like a fitness check and see if he's able to ride because even though he doesn't have any fractures, he probably is very injured and sore so I mean he still has a I think it's like a 50 point lead in the championship so I guess if he missed one race it wouldn't be too bad like he would still be leading the championship yeah yeah I mean losing all 37 for example if you have Jorge Martin who is second in the championship if he would win the sprint and the um, main race, he would take 37 points out of Peckle, which is a lot compared to last year where it was only 25 once you missed a, an entire round. So it's still a lot. And yeah, then the flyaways, it's not going to be easy either because usually no one is particularly strong on one circuit, especially uh, once they are leaving Europe. Yeah. Um, yes. Other than that, like Pecco had a really strong s- start, like a very very strong. It was yeah. like right away, like it was a, at least one or even two bikes difference for everyone else. So I was, I mean, obviously, I think it was a mechanical issue because, um, in the thing that I read, it also said that Pecco didn't do anything different for the bike to act like that. So I assume it was technical. Mm-hmm. A lot of people say it was the tire, yeah. Yeah. Because obviously it was only the like third or second corner, and I mean, if you're pushing it that hard, and you've done one warm up lap, and then you've been on the grid for however many seconds, and then gone full throttle, um, yeah, the tire's not going to be up to full temperature. Yeah, we've already seen it. We it's always weird to see it, but. Uh, Icalicona already had a crash on the siding lap with, because of cold tires, so apparently it's been a bit more of an issue than expected. That yes. was the only crash that Honda had, not this weekend, but in this in the races. <laughs> so um, after that, the um race obviously got red flag straight away and the riders went back into the pits. They didn't do the quick start procedure because obviously um, they had to clear all the bikes away and make sure that all the riders were okay. And um, they also had to clear away. There was a lot of fluid on the track from Brad Binder's bike. I'm not too sure what happened there. No one really said after the race, but that was just like a lot of fluid from something that had happened. Um so they had to clear all that up. And then obviously the they did um another sighting lap and warm-up lap. And then we finally got the race started again. And I mean, we'd already we already kind of knew what was gonna happen because the 
Aprilia's have been so strong in the sprint race. They just dominated the main race as well. We had Alicia Spargo win and Maverick Vinales came second. And it was Aprilia's first ever one, two. And I mean, I think everyone just everyone just loved that, didn't they? Yeah. And I especially loved her celebrations. I still don't know yeah. why they swapped bikes, but it was very cute seeing them riding hand in hand on each other's bikes. It was funny though, was because when awesome. when yeah, when they came to the pits though, Maverick rode into the first space and yeah. um Alesh had to ride into the second, so the bikes weren't the wrong way around. I mean, maybe it was Alice way for apologizing because he ran Maverick very very wide yeah. at, at one corner where um where Maverick had to take this uh emergency. I think it was the yeah, first corner. Yeah, he kind of like um Alice tried to overtake and then he forced Maverick so wide that yeah, he had to it was on the, the where the lap. long lap. Yeah, the long lap. And then the commentators were like, oh no, he might get a penalty because obviously he like, we weren't sure if he lost a second, but he must have done or the gap was quite far behind. So, I mean, if he got a three second penalty, I'm not sure if it would have mattered. Maverick got lucky again because um, later today, it was announced that he didn't meet the tire pressure the new tire pressure rules so uh, he just got an official warning because i think it would have been very harsh to take their historic one two away but yeah yeah just a slap on the on the wrist yeah yeah i think if he does it again he gets a three second penalty is it or a long i think i think it says like it's a sliding scale of penalties i don't know if it's a sliding scale in terms of uh how many times you break the rule or how much you break the rule like how much your entire pressure is under the limit so i'm not sure about that yeah but as well as that i mean it will never not confuse me because i feel like it's in every single sport but it's always that they punish either the rider or the driver because like did maverick himself check his tire pressures and put them in and be like I'm gonna put this like outside yeah, of the regulation. I'm gonna cheat but it's, it, <laughs> it's, but it's the only way that you can yeah, actually give penalties that make sense because if you find a team you either find them a thousand euros which doesn't make any difference to the team so they would be still on sense to break this rule all the time or you just find them 100,000 euros, which is just insane, which also I wouldn't mean, make sense. Wouldn't do <laughs> yeah. But always, um, it makes it like the way that they word it, and I do get why they do pen- penalize um, the driver or writer, um, but it makes it sound like the person in question who's getting penalized like decided to do that. Like, they just woke up on a Sunday and was like, I'm gonna cheat. I mean, often I don't think that it's, but with ill intention. Sometimes it's just a genuine mistake happening. Mm. I don't think that 
those teams would actually want to cheat it's more than we didn't keep this yeah. into consideration or it's also a thing of tire pressures can change during races so if you don't calculate everything in your in your setup it yeah things might go the wrong way for you yeah i do think the whole tire pressure situation is still a bit of a question mark to everyone because yeah it's weird it has been kept a bit secretive and yeah hopefully it becomes more open or they just scrap it the next year because yeah no one wants to be getting penalties for tire pressures um so then finishing up the podium we had Jorge Martin and I mean it was probably Alicia's like the his dream podium yeah. he could ever wish for I mean he has Maverick coming in second so he gets Aprilia's first one too and then his best mate Jorge Martin in third and yeah in part farming they were like celebrating and it, it was just so wholesome was also like Jorge he did get third but he was so far away from the Aprilia's like those two were just on a different level yeah they they were so dominant and I think the only one who could have taken it to the Aprilia's was Peko but obviously he had crashed out and yeah it was a shame that we didn't get to see that battle but we still got to see some great racing it would have been very interesting to see Peko having Peko being the minority on being surrounded by Aprilia's compared to everyone else always being surrounded by Ducatis. Yeah. Just to see how he deals with that type of pressure, knowing that he doesn't just have to fight one person, but knowing that his teammate is right behind you as well. I mean, yeah, it was nearly a lockout Aprilia podium because oh, Miguel yeah. nearly got a third. It was just, I mean... It would have he been couldn't amazing. do much about the Ducati of Jorge Martin and yeah. But it was, in general, it was a really good weekend for Miguel. Yeah. yeah. But he's um, had a lot of, he's he was getting very unlucky in a lot of races, but in general, he's had a good season, I'd say, to be on a brand new satellite bike that has never been there before. It just shows how good of a rider he is. I feel yeah, like Miguel is one of the most like unluckiest riders. I feel like there's a lot of the times it's something happening and he has no control over it. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, then comparing to his teammate, Raúl didn't have as great of a weekend. I mean, he had a technical issue, I think. Which was very, very disappointing for him because at that point he was in 11th, I think. He was fighting with Mark, which, even though it's only for 11th or barely the top 10, to be able to fight with an eight-time world champion must feel pretty good for Roll. Yeah, and... And as well as that, I think during the Moto2 stream, they mentioned that one of the lap records in Moto2 is from Raul, so it's not like he's bad at the track. Like I feel like it suits him really well. Um, And then to end it with a technical issue, it's obviously a shame. Yeah, obviously. 
um, Paul and Brad Bender also had technical problems. So obviously we don't know what those technical problems are, but it was just strange that three riders all had technical problems in the same race. I was convinced that my commentators jinxed it because (laughs) right before the um, start of the race, they were like, it's great to see that nowadays there isn't as many technical issues and the riders just fight it out. (laughs) And then three happen all in the same race. Yeah. It's this race has been a wild ride for my mental health, honestly. Just so many ups and downs. I mean, something else that we can celebrate is that Fabio Quattro finished inside the top ten. He came seventh. Um yeah, I mean an improvement seeing as Morbidelli finished down in fourteenth. Um he actually had a really good start which I think helped him out quite a lot yeah obviously he said that he really enjoys this track and yeah it's a really good track we can see some I think he was riding the old chassis as well um the old Yamaha chassis not the new one so maybe that factored in because I think ever since he's been using the new one it hasn't been too great for him yeah but hopefully we can see some improvement and for next year as well because we have the MotoGP testing coming up soon so we can all see what the 24 bikes are gonna look like probably quite similar yeah Uh, I think there are some people who will make big changes some manufacturers for example Honda Honda has been experimenting quite a lot over the season already and I think they really need to try something else because this one is clearly not working even though all of them finished the race um That's they still didn't really they, yeah, they, still, they, they still didn't finish in good positions yeah um and I mean Mark has been testing their winglets like last weekend and this weekend as well so I think they're kind of trying to figure out what to do next yeah, yeah, I mean, I am actually very optimistic for them for next year because in their lineup, they do have two world champions because Mir said, I think he also announced this last week where he said that he is definitely going to stay with Repsol Honda for another year because he said if he would leave now, even though he could, it would feel like giving up. And he doesn't want to do that. He wants to give Honda another shot. And he wants to help rebuilding that team. Um, Then they have Taka and Zarko, who are both so, so experienced. And Zarko coming from Ducati, who have figured out how to build your bike correctly. That's going to help them massively, I think. No, but you also see it with... um... Or maybe I'm just making this up. I I'm sure that they have like non closures and things that they can't talk about and they have to sign stuff. But um, Miller left Ducati and went to KTM, and this season KTM has really stepped it up. Yeah, I think sometimes it's not necessary because these guys are riders, they are not engineers and they are not mechanics, even though they have a lot of knowledge in those fields, it doesn't mean that they know how to build a championship winning bike, but I think what they are very good in is 
knowing how to communicate correctly what exactly is missing because they know how it it's supposed is, to uh, yeah how it's supposed to feel to ride that bike so they can exactly tell you this is the issue this is the issue rather than just guessing changing things and then not succeeding and also they bring a new mindset into the team they yeah. bring it's, it's always a breath of fresh air to have a rider move factories and also zarko is a world champion in moto 2 but still a champion so there's also the experience with that but kind of what to what Nair said about not wanting to give up on honda um and we've talked about this before but they're not doing great right now but at the same time and i think you said it when we were talking about um uh this in moto 2 but it's such a big team with great funding and stuff like that that they do have the possibility to step up i mean they are the most successful motor gp manufacturer of all time so yeah. they are not giving up and they will be back to they will be going back to the front i don't know if they will be able to overtake the ducatis but at the same time I'm, they have hit rock bottom. It can only go up from here. Hopefully. Yeah. And if you jinx that. <laughs> with having Zarka in the team, maybe that will change something. Because obviously he's coming from Ducati and they are the team to be, the bike to be on at the minute. So maybe he can bring some insight and knowledge. Um, I think that about just about rounds up main race um obviously Enea has been given a one long lap penalty for the incident for his next race back um we're not too sure when that will be but when he does come back he will have to serve that um yeah well Enea also it it really wasn't Enea's weekend because he also got uh, got a three place grid the Grid penalty. I'm oh, sorry, I can't speak anymore. It's been a long day. Yeah, he did get a three place grid penalty as well after qualifying. Yeah, yeah. So really, not his weekend to round it off. He will be happy to forget about this and just hopefully look forward. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and as well as that, um, after Darren Binder had his technical issue. He did went, go to the medical center. Darren Bender? You mean Brad Bender? Oh, sorry. No, sorry. <laughs> I was like, I, no, we are my brain was just like, I, I was fully convinced. This is I just a dream. Bin- <laughs> yeah. I'm fully convinced I just said Binder and no like first name at all. And then you looked at me funny and I was like, wait, what did I, I do? Like, I was like, we're back at Darren Bender. We talked about him already. No, he wasn't um, even there. Um, Brad Binder did go to the medical center to check on um, Peko after the crash and after he retired. I mean, there was nowhere else that Brad could have gone. It wasn't his fault at all, but it's still such a nice gesture. And I think Brad is also known to be a very likable and um, empathetic guy in the paddock. So... 
Yeah. Also, I do believe that you don't want to get the wrath of Ducati and their aid bikes, so you better apologize, even though it's not your fault. Thumbs up this weekend's racing. I think we all need to go to bed because uh, I'm so tired and I mean, the race has just completely exhausted me. I can't imagine what it would be like to ride in one of them because yeah. I think, yeah, <laughs> those I think, are some talented riders. Yeah, I think we missed about a hundred things that happened during the races, <laughs> but there was just no way packing all of this information into one podcast episode. Yes, so... We will be back next weekend. Oh my god, another weekend full of racing. Um, but we'll be back next weekend for Mizano. Yeah, Lauren will be there. So if you see her on screen, then take a screenshot and send it to us. So thank you very much for listening to this week's episode, and we will see you next week. And you can follow us on all our socials. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, we're just at the sighting lap and that's it.